over the course of the last week, many of us, all of us probably, have been extremely shocked and saddened by that terrorist attack in Manchester. When training for the ministry, I spent four years in that city, that great northern city. My theological college was in Russia. My first year placement was in the Church of England, Benefice, covering Moss Side and Holly Range. And following our marriage, Emmeline and I shared a home in Fallowfield. Over the past few days, each of these neighbourhoods has, one after the other, been getting named on the news. Named because people are arrested by armed police, streets sealed off, houses searched for explosives. I've sent a message to the current rector of my old placement saying my memories of the pastorate are of such lovely people with hearts full of compassion. I pray that at this painful time the Lord may bring his peace and hope to the parish and the city of Manchester. It is rather strange with this on the news that our passage today, Daniel 3, which Chris read, tells us a story of religious intolerance. Nebuchadnezzar has made a golden statue and called for everyone from every background to bow before his statue, to conform to the faith that he wants to establish, not what is on their heart. This mighty edifice, 90 foot tall, Nine foot, uh, nine foot at the bottom, must have been the pinnacle of engineering of the time. It stands there like no other structure. And either made of gold or covered with gold shows something of worth that the king would like to have. It displays something of the nation's riches embodied in the kingship. But why has he erected this statue? Well, if you remember last Sunday's reading and sermon, don't know how good you are at remembering one thing to the next week, Maybe you can refresh yourself when you get home and listen online if you weren't able to be with us. But Daniel had described a dream 
that the king had had, a statue made of different metals, where the top was gold. And that top gold head represented Nebuchadnezzar. The entire statue, the earthly empires that they represented, it was said in the dream, would be smashed by a rock that had been there from the beginning of the earth, part of a mountain, not always noticeable. That rock represented the coming kingdom of God and the power of Jesus Christ. And on hearing that interpretation, the king had bowed prostrate, saying, Surely your God is the God of gods. But here, all we have done is turn the page over from the bottom of, nine, uh, from bottom of 885 onto 886, and the king's forgotten everything. And what remains is the sense of, ooh, a statue of gold. And I'm the golden statue. And so he sets to work. What's gone wrong? He's chosen what parts of God's word he is going to hear and to apply into his life. Nebuchadnezzar has understood that his kingdom, like every other kingdom, will fall. So he decides to come up with a plan that will shore up the kingdom, that will see strength in the kingdom, that will see leadership that is expressed like every political soundbite you can imagine. He proclaims himself in building the statue to be strong and stable. He wants Babylon to be together. He wants to unify the nation. And so he calls all the public sector workers together. The governors, advisors, treasurers, judges. To gather and to bow. Men of every language. That also means men of every faith. This is a statue for everybody. For the many not a few. He wants to change Babylon's future. He doesn't want to see everything crumble. He gives his golden guarantee. This is unity. Follow my way. You will live in harmony. Everything will be rosy from here on, henceforward. And if you don't do what I say, then there's the fiery furnace. He knows of God, but chooses to try and make his people trust in a false God. He knows that the empire will fall, but he seeks a sign of strength. 
when he gathered all around, what he should have done was proclaim the truth of the God that Daniel had revealed to him. But now he clings on to his old understandings, to the ways before he heard of the faith, to the ways of astrologers and soothsayers that could not interpret the dream rather than Daniel, who had. We know of the great hope we can have. We know of where we should put our trust. But do we still bow down to false gods and idols that are of our making? Idols of property, of wealth, of one-upmanship, of being ahead of our neighbour? If so... We need to change. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego know what is right. They will not bow down when they hear the music played. Even when the king challenges them, when they're called before the king, and he says, look, when the music plays, bow down. That's all you have to do. But they do not. They are faithful to God. And they say that God will save them. And then they say something else. Even if God won't save us from this fire, we will still not bow down. They are not testing the Lord. They're saying, whatever happens, we think God will save us. That might not be God's plan. But we are willing to do what is right in our understanding of faith. There is no fear within them. They do not resist arrest. There is no armed struggle. But they peacefully submit themselves to God's care. They peacefully go. And the king mocks. What God will rescue you from my hand? What God is greater than me, is what he is saying. What God is greater than the king? Well, he knows what God is greater than him. He's already bowed down in the past, declaring the God of Daniel to be the God of God's. But now, but now, to the king, all he is seeing is that there are three men of Jewish heritage that are revolutionaries, 
causing civil disturbance. It's a civil disturbance that's non-violent. It's a gentle way they are proclaiming the truth. But they are rejected. God had inspired the three men on a path of life. A path that was to serve the nation that they were living in, even though it was not their home nation. God led them to being senior administrators in Babylon. And they remained faithful in an uncompromising way. Whatever occupation, whatever place of responsibility you find yourself in, whatever means of swaying others to the right opinion, stick to God. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The God we sing praise to that we read of in the scriptures, that we bring our prayers before, requires us to think of our faith as more than just words that are spoken or words that are just heard. He requires action as a result of faith. These things go together. We must always respond in a way that demonstrates love and faithfulness. The men are taken, bound, and thrown into the furnace. The fiery furnace is enough to kill the guards outside. Seven times hotter than it would normally be. Well, I'm not sure that they had a thermometer. But the idea of seven times hotter is hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, isn't it? It's this sense of complete heat. They could not get it any hotter than that. Just like the seven days we have in our week, seven days of creation. It's a completeness of heat, a heat beyond imagination. And so, this heat reflects the king's rage. His anger is this heat. But the result of the heat, the resulting damage of his rage, has victims. But not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's his own guards, his soldiers, who are killed, not those he had intended. And that is true of rage and of hatred. The one that ultimately suffers is the one with the anger and the friends around them. It's shown from the very earliest days. Cain is angry with God. 
and kills Abel. And it happens again and again. It happens again and again in the scriptures. It happens again and again in the lives that we lead. If you have hatred, think of what that is doing to your life. If you have hatred, what is it doing to the lives of those that you love? Who is hurting? We have seen hatred and anger and a poor understanding of what God expects of people in the events of Manchester. And there will, in time, be judgment. And we have seen too in the past week in Portland, Oregon a man shouting anti-Muslim abuse at a couple of teenage girls and then killing two men and injuring another who tried to bring peace to the situation. The mayor of that city said the current political climate allows far too much room for those who spread bigotry. That's true in America and it's true here. When we are anger, it leads, when we have anger, it leads to violence. Nebuchadnezzar sends three men to the furnace because of their faith. But despite the heat, our three heroes enter and are safe. Their hair and clothes do not catch fire. They do not even smell of smoke. You know, anyone that's been near a fire, you know, we are burning some wood out in the garden. You know that in a short bit of time your clothes have that fragrance but they are watched over in the fire by one that the king thought looked like a son of the gods an angel and it awakens within him an understanding that no matter what he did to those men God is present. And it might remind you of the words in Isaiah 43, where the Lord says, When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Don't try that at home. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. 
It should encourage you that whatever nightmare situation you find yourself in, whatever disaster befalls you and those around you, God is there. The king says, praise be. Praise be. And he announces freedom of worship to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But he's still not awoken to the truth. And we know that because of how his words continue. The God of anyone who speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. No other God can save in the way. He doesn't know love. May we, in our search for faithfulness, know God's love and know God's saving power. May we know the love that even took God's own Son to the cross, that our sins may be forgiven. May we not fool ourselves in turning this love into hatred of others, but instead seek his peace to dwell in our heart each day. Amen.